Hi, thank you for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And with me today, I'm really excited to introduce Ms. Sarah K. Hoffman. She is the author of A Leaky Gut Meal Plan. She is otherwise known in the online world as a gutsy girl. She's a gut health expert, and I'm really excited to talk to her today. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you, Alice? I am doing well. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm great. I'm super excited to be on your podcast and to just have some time to talk to you and learn more about you do and gut health and all of the good stuff. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things about podcasting is just getting to talk to so many amazing people. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. I have this great vehicle to just talk to people who do things that I'm interested in. So. I agree. Yeah, it's awesome. And so can you tell us a little bit, I know on your, your website and on your social media, you talk pretty openly about your own story. Would you be able to just tell us kind of a little bit about that so my audience has um, some background on you and, and what brought you to working with gut health and why it's so important for you and, and for, for your people that you work with, your clients? Yes, absolutely. So my story is actually pretty long and complex. There's many different levels and stages and different health issues that that arose along the way. And so I'm just going to kind of give you the very short and skinny version of it. But basically, yeah, basically, you know, there's little things that stand out to me from the time I was probably in middle school and in high school, but nothing really truly ever started happening until about my freshman year of uh, college. And I just remember I actually had my own dorm room. And I, I look back on those days and I think, wow, I'm so thankful that I had my own dorm room because every single day, starting from a couple months into college, barely any air would come out of me and I could stink up the entire room. It was so awful. Oh, and at the time, yeah, at the time I had no idea what was going on, obviously, but I knew that something wasn't right. And that didn't mean that I made any changes. I mean, I was a call. I was in college. I didn't really care about health too much to be perfectly honest. And so things happened from then until I was finally diagnosed in 2000 and I think about eight with colitis via a colonoscopy. So during from my freshman year of college, which was about 2005 until 2008, a lot of things happened. I mean, I had many different illnesses. I had my tonsils and adenoids removed after a year of being on antibiotics for an entire year more stomach issues. After the tonsils and adenoids came out, I developed this really weird mouth problem. All along, I had a lot of skin issues. I had what I now know today uh, was a pretty bad case of perial dermatitis. I lived a pretty hard life, meaning not like hard, hard, but just eating all the foods, drinking all the booze. I smoked, you know, I did everything. And I just, to me, during those years, healthy was anything that was fat-free, sugar-free, give me the Diet Coke and some mm -hmm. add some vodka to it, we're good to go. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I knew that there was something wrong. My, you know, I was always miserable, but I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't really want to make changes. So in 2008, shortly before my wedding, when I was diagnosed, it was around that time that I started to care a little bit because my husband and I had just, well, he was my 
fiance at that time, we had just moved from Minnesota to California. And I don't know, something about that change. It was such mm-hmm. a huge change in my life. That I thought I'm really just going to start seeing food differently and seeing health different. What can I do? And how can I start to figure this all out? And after the diagnosis, I, I did little things. I guess probably the biggest thing that I did back then that actually would change my entire life is I did the GAPS diet, uh, which stands for gut and psychology psychology syndrome. Um, And I did that for a really long time. So I always tell people now, I, I believe in it. I think it's phenomenal. I love everything about it. I just, I just think that I did it for far too long, but I learned a lot then. And so then around that same time, as I started to feel somewhat better, I also uh, went back to school at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I, I was super hyper-focused on all the gut health information. I was just really obsessed because I I just started to think there must be something with what I'm eating and how I'm living that's really affecting my gut health and really making me miserable. And by the way, how did I get colitis? What is colitis? And I just really immersed myself in all of that. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, quite honestly, we went, I went through, I, I started to feel better, but then I went through a period of time in about 2011 to 12 when I did a lot of infertility treatments because in addition to all the other issues, I was also quote unquote unexplained, had, had unexplained infertility. And so I did all the different things, the inseminations, the, the drugs, everything and the culmination of it. What, pardon me? I said, that's a lot, like on your system. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. So here I am running my system down again, but you, I, would, I would do it again for that chance. Just thinking about all of that, I would do it again for that chance. That, but anyways, the culmination was an IVF cycle that failed and it actually failed pretty miserably and ended up in the emergency room. And I, to this day, I believe a lot of it probably was because of all the other issues that I had that we just really didn't know at the time. So that failed. And after that failed in 2012 is when a gutsy girl was born. And it was born because it was really this period in my life where I just wanted to say, listen, there are women that are just sitting out there and they do not know what is wrong. They want to talk about it, but they can't. They can't talk about infertility. They can't talk about digestive issues or all these things that we don't want to talk about, we think we can't talk about. So I started a gutsy girl to say, nope, we are going to talk about it. We can talk about it. And there's a whole huge community around here. And so I really got my body like weaned off of all those drugs and started feeling better and things started looking up. And then what happened was we ended up adopting, well, foster to adopt my first daughter. And she was this was in 2013. She was so prematurely born that when she came to us, I was up 24 seven and I basically ran myself into the ground again. So even though I could be sipping my bone broth or I could, I knew a lot of the quote unquote gut healing nutritional principles at that time. I wasn't living it because I, I really couldn't. I had a business, I had a peanut butter business and I was producing it two hours from where we lived in California. I was up all the time with this baby. I was stressed wondering if this baby, you know, was healthy, if she's going to stay with us, you know, this, that, and the other. And so finally, and, and also at this late 2013, yeah, about six years ago from today, 
my face started to get so awful. I have pictures of it on my website, but there's just, I broke out imperial dermatitis all over again. My stomach was always bloated. I was always asking if I was pregnant. Hmm. I mean, people are always asking me if I was pregnant. It was just, it was awful. It was miserable. And so I had had enough and I decided that I was not going to go back to a Western doctor at this point because when I was diagnosed with colitis, they didn't have any answers. They didn't really want to help me with the answers. What they just wanted to do is give me canassa and the canassa, it's a suppository and it made me worse. And so I just decided I was going to try something completely different. And I got the recommendation of an incredible doctor at the California Institute for Functional Medicine. And he was like two hours away from me at the time, but I didn't care. I went in, I just sat down with him. He gave me so much time, went over everything with We did a ton of testing and long story short, after all of that, found out that I had SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And I believe looking back, I believe that that was probably my bottleneck for years and years and years. It just had gone undiagnosed Mm -hmm. because even when I was doing the GAPS diet, there were things I would eat and I would feel miserable. And looking back, I can totally see why, but I was diagnosed with SIBO severe, quote unquote, adrenal fatigue. I know that's not the technical term, but that's what most people understand it as. Low thyroid, perial dermatitis. I mean, I was just basically, I had tanked so much so that day he told me everything that was wrong. We sat in his office and he did B12 injections to my stomach. So that in 2014, I'll never, ever, ever forget that because that's when I actually truly started on this forever life-changing journey. Because that's a lot to receive those kind of diagnoses after you'd already been so invested in your health and, you know, doing the GAPS diet and trying to make all these changes. I can't imagine, I feel like you must have been so like frustrated, but maybe also relieved when that happened of like, okay, well now I actually sort of know what's going on, but geez, like I've been working at this for years and to have to have that come up at that point, that's intense. Yeah. I was actually just so grateful and so relieved. And because I feel like when you have answers, you can start to make changes. And by answers, I mean real answers, not Dr. Google answers and not Mm -hmm. the answers that a complete blood count basic test might give you. Although that could give you a lot of answers. Yeah. But every time I went to the doctor, nothing really showed up there. So that was not an end. I would just be sent off on my merry way and nothing would ever change because I didn't have the real answers. I love that you, I love that you saw a functional medicine doctor and I love how openly you talk and promote functional medicine on your website. I've actually, (laughs) you, you spurred me to, I've been trying to motivate like both my mom and my partner for various reasons to find a functional medicine doctor. And when I was going through your website in preparation for this interview, I was like, here's the link. I'm going to find practitioners for both of them right now. And because it's so, it's so important in work in, in healthcare and, and so many people have this experience of when they go in, they don't really ever get those real answers. They leave more frustrated. They're prescribed more and more medication. And it's this endless cycle and nothing really ever gets solved. So really happy for you that you found somebody who could go through all of those things with you and tell you like, here's what it is and here's our plan. And just, and now that you're letting people know like, Hey, this kind of medicine exists and seek out these kind of practitioners, because I don't think everybody knows that that even exists, what functional medicine even is. No, but I think the hard part about it too, which is really unfortunate is that functional medicine is very expensive. Yeah. You can't go in and say, Oh, here's my blue cross. And they, Mm -hmm. and they say, yep, perfect. It's all taken care of. 
that's part of the problem. And also, you know, to be very fair and to be very clear these past couple of years, what I have also realized is that there is a time and a place for Western medicine. And I actually, to this day, use a combination of both functional and Western. And I think that that has been one of the keys to my success is not turning my nose at either one of them, but really understanding both of them. 100%. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And it's beautiful that we have access to both, even though it is more expensive. But I know things, well, I won't even go into that. I was going to talk about like community acupuncture and things like that, where there are, and I know that's not functional medicine, but where there are some alternative strategies for people to use in conjunction. Because I think when we start like, yeah, swearing off one versus the other, it's we just close doors for ourselves. So that's great to hear that that's been your experience and continues to be. Yeah. And so, you know, with all your research, I, in your own experience into gut health and working with other people, I'm, I have a couple of things I'm really curious about. I have a lot of things I'm curious about, but one of them is just kind of the relationship between gut health and anxiety. Anxiety is something I work frequently with, and I know there's a connection, I think, with chronic stress and gut health and like increasing in anxiety, and then that can kind of be become this vicious cycle. I don't know if could you speak to that or what your experience has been in dealing with anxiety and gut health as as a combination. Yeah, I actually have the combination and I find that most people do have the combination. And I never really thought that that I was someone that had the combination until about a year ago. But looking back, I mean, one of the very best books that I ever have read and that I recommend to almost everyone is the GAPS diet book because GAPS stands for Gut and Psychology Syndrome. And it's basically the premise of the entire book is this connection between the gut and the brain. There's Mm -hmm. a direct link between the two. And to try, you know, I think that a lot of times in Western medicine, we try, they, we, they, whatever, (laughs) try to separate the two, but, but they're not separate. They're actually very interrelated. And I think, you know, it, there's a lot of things that go into it and a lot of theories and ideas, but when it comes down to it, you know, they're, they are very connected and the research is there and it, it's, it's pretty complicated, but Dr. Natasha Campbell, the one who wrote the GAPS diet book, she describes it as a process by which our bodies can actually make its own alcohol and it's not the type of alcohol that we typically think of, but it's this, it's this type that can leave us feeling almost this certain carbohydrate meals and certain foods that we're so accustomed to eating can leave us feeling a kind of permanent drunk. If that, hmm. really, It's kind of hard to explain, but she describes the entire process and alcohol is then toxic for the body and we, but we may be producing it without even knowing it and it takes nutrients from us and so it's just like this whole vicious cycle so yeah that's that's a lot of the research that I've done around it but I'm really glad you mentioned that book I think I'll get that one and I don't are you familiar with Robert Sapolsky's work at all I know he touched on this well he touched on like chronic stress and autoimmune disease but I think he has and I only really am familiar with one of his books. So, and that was like over a decade ago, but I know he touches a little bit on like the connection between autoimmune and gut health as well. And he's got a few books out. The one I'm thinking of is Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that one, but I'm going to... 
It's a good one. He's, uh, I mention him all the time because I love that book, but he, um, he's a biologist that did a bunch of research and his research is primarily stress focused, but he does start to bring in that interconnected with gut health. And I'd be curious to read more of his like later work because that was probably 20 years ago that book came out. So I know there, like you said, there has been more and more research on that connection. So this GAPS diet book, I would like to check that out as well. That sounds like a great resource. Yeah. So she, you know, in her book and in her research, she talks a lot about the research that she did mostly has to do with children and dyspraxia, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, depression, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's a lot that we can take from it as well, you know, because also consider the fact that 95% of serotonin is made and stored in the gut. And we all know the serotonin is the happy neurotransmitter mm-hmm. in is made in the gut, but we're constantly giving the gut less than ideal things. How is it ever supposed to remain happy? I love that statistic, 90%. That's a great number just to know because it it really does make you think about, okay, if this is if what I'm putting into my gut is going to directly affect my mood because 90% of my serotonin is produced there, maybe I'll make a different food choice. <laughs> I think that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. And then also just one other thing about whole gut brain access is that the vagus nerve is one of the largest nerves that sends signals along this gut brain axis. So a lot of times I actually have a post, I think on a gut, I do on a gutsygirl.com called vagus, the vagus nerve connection or something and ways to naturally stimulate it because that's one of the key ways that people can really start to help reduce their anxiety or at least get it under control in some way. Definitely. Definitely. And we've, I've had a guest on here who actually has a podcast called the polyvagal podcast and a marriage and family therapist. So he's coming at it from a different way, but talks a lot about that vagus nerve connection and using the vagus nerve to calm anxiety and, you know, go up and down the polyvagal ladder as a whole other thing. But it's really cool to see these, just these different aspects of health come together, you know, for like mental health and physical health and how it really is all connected. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. I, I also do think that one thing I have learned also in this past year or two is that a lot of times we get so caught up in the natural world. I mean, at least I have in the past. And we think that food or lifestyle can magically cure anything and everything. And for some people that is phenomenal. It might be able, you you might be able to, I know that it can drastically reduce symptoms, but I do still believe that there are certain populations of people who do need to go a little bit further and, and have help with whether it's anxiety or depression or anything like that. Like there's, there's, there's so much that we can do for the gut, but at some point it might not be enough for everyone. And I, I always want to make that very, very clear to people now, because I used to be in the past, like, nope, everything can be solved by diet and lifestyle. And it's, I, that's just not the case. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you because yeah, there's just a whole host of things that can be going on. So I, I like that you say that and that you advocate for that because it's important. So I'm thinking about what question I want to ask you. Yes, I I guess when people start noticing that they have like these chronic issues, and I know this might be a complicated question that I'm asking for more of a simplified answer for, but where's a good place for people to start? Like if they find that they're, it's, it's tough for them to eat anything, or they find that they're just like gassy and bloated all the time. And so they're starting to recognize that there's a problem. I know a lot of times people will say like, okay, well, I do the probiotics and get a kombucha, but I don't think that's 
it's just, it only is maybe addressing one small part of the problem. Like where would you recommend that people start? Well, first of all, depending on what's wrong, the kombucha and probiotics may be making them worse. And this is actually something that I talk about a lot and I really advocate for, for people now is this whole idea of gut health versus gut healing. Mm. Because if you're in this place where you're just feeling miserable and you don't even know where to start, I can tell you that all, almost all the things that people are teaching and preaching saying that you absolutely need for gut health might not be for you because you need to heal your gut. And there's a very, very, very huge gigantic difference between the two terms. So in that case, look at the probiotic and look at the kombucha and consider that it might not be the best for you. But besides that, some very simple things that I always tell people, the very first thing I say is if you've never been tested for anything, get tested. And I know that a lot of people are starting to say, you know, don't waste your money with all the testing and this, that, and the other. If you have gone online and you have done a lot of your own Dr. Google research and you've written things down and you have kind of an idea, you can bring that to your doctor. I, there's a guide on my website called beginner's guide to digestive health testing. And it really just takes you through like how I, how I believe you can work with your doctor, whether that's a functional or a Western medicine doctor, but go in and start getting some tests because I I told my entire story. I wasn't diagnosed with the SIBO until 2014. And had I not ever been diagnosed with that, I would still be absolutely miserable today. And it took a while to get there, but I'm so glad that I never gave up. So, I mean, honestly, it sounds a huge first step, but it is a step that I think can truly change the path of which and how you go along your journey. But meanwhile, while you're waiting to get tested or whatever, some other little things that you can do is stop eating processed and packaged foods. I know that is so much easier said than done. I have three small children and on any given day, I'm like, oh, it's just going to be easier to (laughs) whip Mm -hmm. out this or, you know, I know that I know it is. But if you're really serious about feeling better, you have got to look at what you're putting into your body. And so with that, I say cook more at home. It could be something as basic as that cooking more at home and eating out less. I have several resources on my website for how to start journaling. So a really big thing is understanding how you're feeling on any given day and what what is going into that day. So as you're journaling, what are you eating? What are you taking for your supplements? Oh, you drank kombucha and then you were bloated. Make note of that. You had a lot of deadlines at work and you were super stressed and you felt miserable. Make note of that. You got you got only four hours of sleep, make note of that. All of that stuff, the, the diet, the lifestyle, the supplements, that everything, it all goes into what could be going on. And it's very, very, very telling. I um, did a blog post once on sleep and gut healing. And, and I, I don't know how long I did it for, but I recorded every single day for a certain period of time, how much sleep I got the previous night and then how I felt that next day. And it was like clockwork. I mean, if I got, there was a difference between like seven hours and 45 minutes or eight hours of sleep. And I could tell the next day with how my gut was feeling. Usually like I would feel really overly hungry if I wasn't getting enough sleep. It was, it was very interesting, but that's something that can help people immediately. If they just start, you know, this isn't, it's not a food diary, meaning I ate this, it was this many calories. It's Mm -hmm. nothing like that. 
just more along the lines of what you're doing and how your body is reacting. So that's another thing that I think can help immediately. That's, that's, I love all of your suggestions. And I love that you have the, a guide on your site too, for how to go about getting tested, because I think that is kind of scary for some people. Uh, Like, what do I even ask for? How do I bring this up? But then also just to create that self-awareness with the, with the journaling. That's so, so smart. Like, what am I putting into my body? What are my activities? How am I feeling? And it's hard to kind of argue with it. I think when it's in black and white and written down like that, it, it becomes more and more clear, as you were saying, when you've got the, the recording of it. I love that advice. Yeah. And on my site, I have many different ways to go about journaling. So I've done it all. I mean, I've done just traditional journaling. I've done bullet journaling. I've done elimination diet journaling. And there's probably a blog post for all of them. And I think that there's not one right answer. It's just whatever you think you could stay committed to and to doing without it feeling like a drag and to helping you, you know, drill down and find some answers. And, you know, honestly, like, it's not that you're really trying to self-diagnose anything by doing that. It's that by the time you do get in to get tested, you could say, here, take a look at this. This is what I was journaling and then this is what happened. I think that's all really, really important. I also have things you can put in your journal, like there's the Bristol stool scale. So when you go to the bathroom, there's different types of, of stool that you can be recording. That's really your doctors to know too. If you're very consistent and you have bowel movements that are really off, whether it's you know loose stools or you're constipated, that's super helpful information for your doctor. And the more information you can give them, the better it's going to be. And what I always tell people, because a lot of people will say, I bring this stuff into my doctor and they basically turn their nose up at it. They don't really want to hear it. They just want to tell me what's wrong. Then that's not the doctor for you. And you are in charge and you are paying them and you can gladly go find someone new. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully well said. I think encouraging and teaching people how to be advocates for their own healthcare within the system is is so vastly important. And I love that. Yeah, I love you mentioned the stool scale because you know a lot of times we don't really want to talk about poop, but it's really imp- an important. It's like all evidence. Like these, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. This is what my stool looks like. It's like we're creating this whole binder of evidence to bring into to a healthcare professional. And hopefully, if it's not the first doctor that you go to with issues like this, you will be able to find someone who who can appreciate that you've taken the time to do all those things. And I'm I'm curious too. Like I think we have more gut gut problems in this country or in this Western world. And I think there's probably quite a few reasons for that. Stress being one of them, processed food being another. And I'm, you know, I sent you this question with the email too. I'm just curious what your take is. Like why, why do you think we have so many like gut issues? Why is it such a hot topic here? And and why are so many of us trying to try to heal our gut or try to do things like probiotics and kombucha to try to feel better? Any ideas or just, I don't know, speculation? I, whenever I get asked this question, I'm always taken back to something that Robin O'Brien said. She's a really big advocate for um, in the GMO and non-GMO world and food allergies. And she says, are we allergic to food or what's been done to it in America? And I think that's really, really important place to start. And I have actually written a huge post on this on my website called Kilometer Zero. About a year and a half ago, my husband and I went to Italy. And while in Italy, I literally ate all the things. I hadn't had gluten in probably 10 years. I had gluten there. I had dairy there. I, I ate. I didn't 
I didn't think twice about anything. Mm -hmm. And when I returned from Italy, I was perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong. I mean, in fact, I just kind of kept on that path because I, I don't know, it was, it was really incredible. But in the post, you know, I really talk a lot about why I think that is. Here's, here's a couple things, a couple reasons why I believe in America or why we have so many gut problems. One is obviously the food quality here. It's really sad that we can even go to the grocery store and get a thing of strawberries and think that it's really healthy. And it is, I mean, oh my gosh, do not get me get me wrong with this. Like I believe that picking the strawberry is phenomenal. But the point is that there's so many chemicals and pesticides that are sprayed on everything here. Um, and they're in when by the time I eat a strawberry, you know, here in this little town in Minnesota, who knows how many thousands of miles it may have traveled to get here. And you know, just all the things that that strawberry may have, you know, and then and then we're eating it the food quality is a really, really, really big deal. Over farming, um, I know you had mentioned that, but just in general, over farming, it's not just with the corn and the, the soybeans, it's also how, they're, how we're treating the animals. I am definitely not vegetarian or vegan. I, definitely, I lean a lot more that way these days now that my gut is fully healed. But I mean, we, we pump hormones and antibiotics into animals, and then we ultimately eat them. And that's where we are consuming what they are. So there's that. The fact is like factory farmed meat you know, is what we're getting. And then another thing that I think is really important to remember. So when I was in Italy, you know, we we're traveling in Italy and it was really enjoyable. It was so fun. We'd, I'd sit down and I could eat half a pizza and laugh and have drinks and up oh, and then get up and be on my merry way. But in America, when we're, when we're eating, it's very rushed, very on the go. Like I don't, I do, I try as much as possible to sit down and eat now, but we're just constantly like stuffing ourselves and running and going and we're stressed while we're eating. And, and the digestive process starts in our mind when we're thinking about the fact that we're going to be eating in five minutes. So, I mean, if we're you know, already stressed and it's just this whole downward spiral of things that can occur because we're not just being present with sitting and being and doing the one thing that our bodies are supposed to do, which is eat and then digest food. So I think there's a lot that goes into why there's so many gut problems. It's not just those things. It's a whole lifestyle. It's the alcohol, it's the drugs, it's smoking, it's lifestyle, antibiotics, pre-existing. The list goes on and on and on that it's really no surprise that there are so many gut problems. And I recently did some research that there are that 60 to 70 million people in America are affected by digestive diseases. That is a lot. That's a ton. And thank you for, yeah, for providing the, that number from the research. I agree. Like, I think it's just so many contributing factors, which I think can, is, is why what you're doing is so important and so valuable because you're, you're giving people a, a place to start and, you know, certainly walking them through various phases of the journey with your work and, and all of the resources that you offer. But I think just like letting people know, hey, you know, I've been through this. Here's a good place to start with it. It's so valuable for people. That's it's a lot of people clearly that are are struggling in some way or another with with gut health and and just don't know even where to begin healing. Yeah, I think a lot of times right now because it's so trendy to talk about, you know, excludes whole categories like gluten's awful or don't mm -hmm. have or carbs are the enemy. 
I think it's really easy to just go right there and do that as the blame game, but that's really not the truth. And I'm living proof of it. I have another article that I wrote called Dieting Harder. And it's basically just this idea that your gut health and or your gut healing might not be about every single last morsel that you are or are not eating. It's there's so much more that goes into it. And until you address everything from the diet and lifestyle standpoint, it's really, really hard to heal forever. And I learned that the hard way over and over and over, even even something as small as we might not think like working out too much what's too much. It's so individualistic, but it's so important to pay attention to because until I figured that out, I kept relapsing too. So I mean, there's just like the intricacies of gut health and gut healing are far and wide and it can be and feel very overwhelming. But I think that the truth is when you really just listen to your own body, instead of listening to all of the outside noise, you can heal and you can get better. I agree. And and that speaks again to your, what you were saying earlier about just having recording and writing down like what you consume or what you do and how you feel, because that, I think that helps you to be able to track what's happening. And also it just gives you a backup that what you're feeling, I think is valid. Yeah. And, and you've mentioned a couple of times, I mean, my podcast is directed a lot towards um, sober women and women that have been in recovery from alcohol addiction. And I know alcohol just because of the, well, for a multitude of reasons, like because of the high sugar content, as well as the fact that it's kind of a chemical that can kill us. If we, it's a poison essentially is how our body processes it. And then I won't go to the whole chemical nature of it. I actually did a paper on it years ago, but I'm curious if you have in the, the work that you've done with people, if you've seen a big effect of like how sort of long-term alcohol use can really go in and debilitate the gut and again, sort of some steps for healing because a lot of the women that I work with have been sober for a long, long time, but they'll still, and I know again, a lot of factors go into this, they'll still maybe have some of those gut symptoms or some of these more chronic kind of gut symptoms. And you've already given a lot of resources and places for people to start, but I don't know if there's anything particular to that population that you would advise. Yeah, I don't think, honestly, there's probably any different to massively healing for if it was due to alcohol or something else, because alcohol is just, you know, one of the underlying factors and causes other than making sure that you're getting any of the help that you need from the alcohol standpoint. But if you haven't drank alcohol for a long time, time and you're still just kind of struggling. I think it just goes back to all of the things that I would say for anybody else. But what I will say is that research shows that alcohol promotes bacterial overgrowth, which Mm. leads to increase in the release of endotoxins. And for that reason, I always think of SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And so there's a lot of different signs and symptoms of SIBO. And I talk about it a lot on my uh, website because obviously I had that. And there anything from severe bloat to like your stomach almost feels like it's like fermenting or you're like constantly starving and you can get a lot of skin issues. You can, you can lose a lot of weight because you can also uh, retain weight. But if if you have a previous history of alcohol use and your gut is off and you have any of those symptoms, possibly consider that. The endotoxins activate proteins and the immune system cells that promote inflammation. So it could just be the general 
inflammation. And in which case that could just be this idea of leaky gut syndrome, which is what my book is about. Um, so, I mean, those are a couple of the things that come up for me immediately around alcohol. Thank you. Those are those are great points to make, and that's really good information. And as we're as we're wrapping up here, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your book. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Yeah. So the book actually it's it's out for pre order right now. It's not. I don't know when this episode is going to launch, but it'll be officially out in bookstores and on Amazon December third. But it's called the Leaky Gut Meal Plan. It's just four weeks to detox and improve digestive health. And basically what it does is it goes through this whole idea, this concept of leaky gut syndrome, which is still a debatable term, but it is intestinal permeability, meaning that things that are not supposed to seep through in the intestines seep through. And when that happens, all sorts of problems can erupt from food allergies and intolerances to celiac disease, IBS, skin problems, hormonal imbalances, you know, you name it, it can happen if the gut becomes quote unquote leaky. And so my book really just kind of describes it, talks about some causes, how it affects the body. And then it takes you through four weeks of helping it. But it goes through week one is to remove different foods and then and you just go through that week by week and uh, there's a whole meal plan for all of the 28 days but yeah so it's just it's just a whole book filled with uh, information gut health information and leaky gut in particular that sounds wonderful that's perfect it'll be available for Christmas too <laughs> yeah yeah that's great I think I'm gonna actually order a copy I have a loved one I want to give that to <laughs> no. And so I know you've mentioned your website and I will link all of all of the places where people can find you online. And there other than the website, are there any places that you want to mention? The best, the other great place that I love connecting with people is through my Instagram. I mean, that's where I connected with you. It's just a gutsy girl. And I love connecting with people on Instagram because it's just such a thriving, awesome community that we have formed there. So yeah, that would be the other place that that I would say. Okay, perfect. And I'll put a link there um, to your Instagram as well. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. I I really appreciate all of the the time, energy, and efforts you've put into healing yourself and and what you're doing in the world to help other people. It's it's wonderful work. Thank you so much for having me. 